City have taken the lead. A lovely free kick found the head of the Birmingham City captain. It's a dangerous ball, it's a looping header, and it's a goal against the run of play for Birmingham City. Abby Grant. It's a lovely finish into the top corner. Guided in by Lucy Whip. Just gently lofted out of the reach of the keeper. Might be another chance for another goal. Cracking save by Hampton. Welcome back to Brum is Blue, the dedicated Birmingham City women's podcast. You can follow the show on Twitter and Facebook at Brum is Blue. And if you like what you hear, please share it out with your friends. I'm joined this week by the usual suspects, Kaz and Stacey. But that's not all. It is our pleasure to introduce our special guest for the evening. She made over 90 appearances for Birmingham City, scoring 12 goals and was part of the inaugural Women's Super League season. It is, of course, Sally Stanton. Thank you for having me. I was kind of racking my brain a few weeks ago thinking about what we should do for our 100th episode of the show, but I realised we talk a lot about the WSL, understandably, given that Blue's playing it. But women's football has been around a lot longer than the WSL has. Uh, You, of course, Sally, as you mentioned, played in our debut season for the WSL for Birmingham but you've played many more games for the club prior to that. You were signed by Marcus Bignot from Wolverhampton Wanderers in 2002. Tell us a little about, a bit about how that came about and were you always a fan of football from an early age? Yeah, so um, I started playing at Wolves when I was about 13, something like that, 14. I was a Wolves fan, so obviously my dad took me down to something called Championship Coaching and, and I played probably until I was... I think it was about 20, something like that. And um, Blues obviously had come up in the ranks. And um, it was one season, I remember, we got like this um, prize match at Molyneux. Like we never obviously used to play on the ground very much, but there was this one end of the season, they were giving us like a bit of a treat and playing on the Molyneux pitch. And uh, it ended up being the last game of the season against Blues. And um, they they pretty much ran away with the league that year. But it was like that game won them the league. So obviously we were really up for it because we could stop them for a little bit or just delay it. Um, and we played and I think they thrashed us something like 7-2 on Molyneux. I was absolutely devastated. And um, I was just fuming. And after the game, Marcus um, just came up to me and he was like, you need to join us. We're going because they were celebrating in the bar and I can remember him singing and chanting and I was just absolutely boiling away. And um, yeah, and so he just said, you need to join us. We're moving up. And I just thought, right, you know what? Wolves aren't going to get me there. I'm going to move. And I did. And then, yeah, stayed there for the rest of the, my time playing. Coming from Wolves, you must at the time, you must have known Emily Westwood fairly well. Did you have any influence on her joining Blues later in her career? No, not really. She she played as a kid. She was a bit younger than me. So she was like in the juniors when I was at Wolves and she was one of those like up and coming. And then from Wolves, I think she went to Everton um, and played at Everton for most of her career. But obviously we were yams together. And um, when we used to be in some of the England squads and stuff and Woody was my roommate because we were both yam yams. So we were quite happy together kind of thing. Um, So yeah, we were good mates. And I think she she's quite close with Bass and Kaz. They were all at Loughborough together. So there was quite a little crew. Um, so it didn't take much persuasion for her to come and join the rest of us. Uh, you were part of a team that included the likes of Karen Carney, Alex Scott, Joe Potter, Rachel Yankee and Laura Bassett, as you mentioned. Can you remember making your debut for the club? And was it an intimidating experience coming into a club with, with players such as that? 
No, not really. I can't remember my first game or anything at all. I was just like, it was it feels like forever ago. But um, when I first started, Yanks and that weren't there. And Alex Scott, they came a couple of seasons later. We had a bit of an influx of money. And um, quite a few players got attracted to being paid. And uh, some of us players who'd been there a little while were a bit like, hang on, what's going on here kind of thing. And then we had some of the big names joining us. Um so no, I don't really remember that particularly. But like even back then, like some of the players that were there, like Steph Samuels, Archie, you know, there was some Bass was obviously there from quite early on. Cass Carney, I remember Cass used to come. She was only like a kid when I was there, and she'd so she'd come off the bench maybe, make a few appearances. She was just someone who Marcus was like, if you're good enough, you're old enough, and it was one of that kind of. And so um, she'd turn up and she used to do loads of dancing back then. So she'd always have like really dodgy fake tan all over. And we'd all be like, what? what's this kid doing? You know, we're coming turning up with her uh, fake tan on and uh, like taking the mickey out of her and whatever. And she'd just be like really lightweight at that age. She was just, she was still really young, obviously, but she was quick and she was talented. But coming into National League, she was a bit lightweight at first. And so we used to like have a bit of a laugh at uh, kind of thing. But, um, but yeah, so, and then obviously like, um, Alex and Scott and everybody joined us in a season where we were really successful. I remember I used to play centre half at the back with Bass at that point, and we just we like there were loads of games we had nothing to do. We just like stand at halfway line like this is all right, isn't it? We don't got to do anything. It's just we you know we had loads and loads of games where we just dominated, absolutely dominated the games. Um, but then you'd come up against the likes of Arsenal. And that was really the main game of your season was just you and Arsenal, really. And then that decided where you went. Anyone else you'd be happy, you know, matched up against. But we came across Arsenal a couple of times and that was, uh, that's what kind of, I think we finished second that year. And I remember we were in a semi-final against Arsenal and um, I think it was Julie Fleet and got played in and she got through. Oh, she was one-on-one with me and then through with the keeper. And um, Marcus got me off at the end of the game and slaughtered me, said I should have brought her down, I should have took her out and took a red card and it stopped her from scoring. And I just didn't go through my mind at all. But like, then I always remember that now. We lost that game 1-0, I think it was, or 2-1. or By like one goal, if I'd have took her out, it would have been 1-1 and they were in for a fighting chance. And, you know, like, you remember those things, don't you? Whereas don't remember much else. <laughs> No, it, it does seem a, a quite a trend that people can't remember that, so, that all the games tend, tend to blend into one unless it's the big yeah. moments, of course. And uh, women's football has changed a lot since those days, of course. And obviously, we're, we're, at the moment, we've got a situation where we can't really play in our home stadium. But what was the facilities like back then when, when you were playing for Blues? Yeah, so we started at Redditch United. So uh, I used to remember everywhere. It was always a trek, really. But yeah, Redditch United. And um, I don't know if you've ever been to Redditch. But the ground, like the changing rooms, they used to have AstroTurf on the floor in the changing rooms. We used to think, wow, this is amazing. Look at this. This is like carpet. Um, and the, the home changing rooms were massive. And the away changing rooms were like a little tiny corridor at Redditch. It was like you'd never seen anything like The difference was incredible. Like the away team literally had like a, a broom cupboard to get changed in. And we, we had the biggest changing room ever at Redditch. Um, so like that was where we started off and that was half decent and they used to look after us as well there were nice people down there and then um, they, then we might move to Solihull Moors for a bit and obviously that's a huge pitch and that was nice nice setup and then they got the grandstand type thing and then we moved to Stratford which is another trek but nice new stadium that was good and they got the 3G pitch at the back of it so that was good um, and then obviously then back to Solihull Moors towards the end but everywhere we went everyone 
was great. And there's always been such a brilliant back setup at Blues, like even volunteers like Steve Shipway back in the day and Stato and, you know, so many other people that made that club what it is and volunteered their time when there was no money there. And yet they did like every, you look back now, like at the time, we took it for granted, all the stuff that they did, you know, like you'd go in and all your kit would be laid out, be on your peg and, you know, everything was ready for you. And, you know, all the coaches had really put loads of time into thinking what they were going to be doing. And, you know, we've got Stato doing all of it, finding out, letting you know what, you know, what's going on and who's done what in the game. And you just think that's what made the club what it is, really. It's just so many people just willing to give up their time and just be part of it. And good people as well who know what they're talking about. So, um, yeah, we're really lucky, really. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it, it definitely sounds... I, that was something I didn't realise that they were at Sully Moors before they went to Stratford. So that's something new that I've learned tonight from you. So I appreciate that. Um, yes. Mar, Martha Gray in the chat, she says that the, the, the girls at the RTC, the uh, regional talent club, play at Redditch now. So that's, that's, that's yeah, nice. Yeah, I think they've, they've had a, a bit of redevelopment there, haven't they, since we were there. I think they've got like a floodlit pitch and like a training pitch, a 3G or something like that there as well now. So, um, yeah, definitely they've revamped it since the days we were there. It's nice, it's nice to see there's a, there's a continuity in, in some regard with the young players playing there yeah. as well. Um, Sally, you've played with a lot of good players. Who, who's the, been the best player you've played alongside during your time at Blues, in your opinion? So, yeah, I knew you were going to ask me, so I'd obviously thought about it a little bit. And it's so hard. So I always uh, judge a player by whether you want to play against them. So, like, you know, people say, oh, are they any good? And you think, well, it would all, if we were in training and you get, like, matched up a five-a-side or three-a-side, whatever... Who do I not want to play against? And that's how I like judge if they're actually any good or not. Who do I not want to play against? And so I was thinking about it. And there's there's so many that you think it just depends what you're talking about. So like there was Heather Schuber, like amazing player, so technically gifted. Um, she could do anything and like just a breeze. So she'd make you look stupid, no tr no trouble at all. But then you got like players like Kaz and Yanks who just run past you and you couldn't keep up with them. But then you got, you know, like old school players like Bass um, and Chelsea Weston. Just you know, you just don't go in a tackle with Chelsea because you're not you're coming out with one leg. Like so, there's so many and, and like Rach, Big Willie, Rach Williams. Like you don't want to play against her either because she make your life really difficult and put it about. But she's also quick, strong, technically good. So it's just so many good players, and it just they've all got their own bit that that would be better than me. <laughs> it's like one of them really. But yeah, so I couldn't really choose one. No, that's fair enough. Um, do Do you have any funny stories from your time at the club that you'd like to share with the listeners? Anything that you, any from your glory days, any any funny moments? Glory days. I was thinking about this as well, and uh, like every like, there's there's not many that you could share. I don't think. Like obviously, like it's one of them when you go and training and regularly. There's loads of silly things that are constantly happening, aren't there? That people are laughing about. You're always having a laugh. You're always having a, a giggle, or someone's done something to someone, or someone's come with a story or something that's happened. And there's loads of like different things like that. There's a couple that I can remember. I think I can share. So, like a few years, this was quite early days. Um, we got invited down to Nuki to play in Nuki. They'd like got a team that and they were you know, like winning all of their Southern League, whatever it was, and a little bit big time. And they sent a message and Blues had been doing well. 
And so they must have, their chairman or whatever, must have contacted Steve and said, oh, will you come down for a bit of a charity match, you know, and we'll sell tickets and we'll try and raise a bit of money. And, you know, you be in the big time, Birmingham City and doing well in the league, come down and play against us, Newquay. So we all thought, oh, this sounds like a nice jolly. So we, so Steve Jitway said, come on, we're going down. And this, this chairman had put us up in his hotel or whatever it was. So, of course, we've gone down and have an absolute blast kind of thing. We've all gone out on the night. He, he put a meal on for us and all the wine's coming out of the table and we're all getting <laughs> smashed. And then we're going around the town on the evening and there's posters up everywhere saying Birmingham City Ladies versus Nuki tomorrow, kick off 2pm and all this. And we're looking at it and laughing and telling everyone, we're playing in that tomorrow, we're playing in that tomorrow and giving it all a bit of a big time, like thinking we were going to absolutely stroll it. Of course, we all wake up the next morning rough as and we turn up at the ground and there's hundreds of people there to watch. They've got literally got everybody in Nuki into Nuki's ground. And anyway, we're all thinking, hang on a minute, this could go seriously wrong here. And so we get out onto the pitch. Anyway, we go one nil down, two nil down, three nil down. <laughs> they absolutely trounced us. And we're all looking around like, come on, stop messing about now, start playing properly, start playing properly. And we're like getting at each other and jeeping at each other and just like, I think in the end, they beat us something like 7-2. And we just had to like walk off holding our heads in shame, just like, oh no, this is this is the ultimate fail, just being invited down and they've absolutely trounced us. So like that was quite a funny one, really. But it's just generally, it's just the old oh, football tubes always got something going on. Like she's one that, that you would never mess with. If you're never going to play a prank on tubes because she just get you back and she has no limits, she would do anything. So um, just yeah, loads of just daft stuff, really. Yeah, it's, it's, it sounds like a very fun time and it's obviously good things to look back on. Yeah. Um, uh, Chris Frev, friend of the show, asks, do you still follow the team and what do you think of the current team? Um, I don't massively, actually. No, I was saying this to you before. I don't know why. I um, Once I, I kind of stopped playing, I didn't really follow it. I follow it a bit if it's on. And obviously through social media, like I follow like Bass and Kaz and quite a few players, Jill Scott and, you know, some others who used to play against quite a lot just to see what they're up to. And, and so like you see bits and bobs through there. Um, but I don't really, no, I don't really follow it that in depth. And like my husband will say, do you not fancy going and watching? Not fancy going down and watching? And I'm like, no, I don't. I don't know why. I don't know if I'm bitter or <laughs> what. But like it's gone big time since I finished. Like when I was young, you'd no one got paid. And then obviously it got bigger and bigger. And like we played in the top league for how many years? And we didn't get any deals. We didn't get any like uh, ticks after our name on Twitter and Instagram and things. And like you think maybe I'm, maybe I'm just bitter. It's a slightly different situation, but when I finished my English degree, I refused to read a book for about two years. I just didn't want to do anything about with it. So I can understand why if you've done something for so long, you just want to have, just get away from it for a bit. I, I, I get yeah. that. And, um, yeah, I we're still going to... a little bit of blues. Like yeah. I said, I've got the, the student who used to come to my school. So I like to have a look and see how she's doing. And uh, yeah, I do like to just see a little bit about what's going on, but not massively. Now, you, you did mention that in the in the chat before that before the show took place, um, Sally. But do you want do you want to mention who who you uh, taught taught at school? Yeah, so Gemma Lawley, she came. We I'm teach at Walgarston High School, school in Penkridge, and um, Gemma um, came to our school. And um, at the time, she was playing at West Brom for West Brom Academy, I think it was. Um, and she was always by far the best player in the school team. And 
um, she'd like basically kick off and she'd run the ball all the way down to the goal and stuff. And um, she could play with the lads and she could hold herself. Like she would have a year 11 football on a Friday afternoon, whatever it was. And she'd quite happily hold her own against the lads. And um, yeah, so we just had a chat and just said, you know, if you if you want to progress, you've got to be at a club where you've got a team in the top league so that you can, and once you're, you're good enough, you'll play and you'll you'll do well and you'll get noticed. And and so, yeah, she ended up going along and uh, she got in. And I had quite a few chats with Chrissy because Chrissy Torkinson was in charge of the juniors and the, the uh, youth teams then. So we had a few chats about Gemma and what she was doing. And I'm just really, really pleased to see her doing so well at Blues. It's great news. Yeah, absolutely. And she's really, um, Carla's really um, taken to her, I think, since she's gone up to the first team. So hopefully in the future, she'll get more appearances yeah, for the club. Yeah, she's a kid, isn't she? Yeah. Uh, Kaz, do you, got, do, you wanna, do you wanna ask a question? So I've got two, right? One might sound a bit stupid, right? But I've got one one serious question. So obviously you came a runner-up in the WSL and you won the FA Cup. Um, do you still have your uh, FA Cup medal? <laughs> no, um, to be honest, that's that's probably one of the lowest points in my career. That was. Um, I played obviously all through WSL. Played at Blues for years, and then in the the cup final, I was dropped to the bench, um, and I didn't start, and I didn't get on, and um, and I, I was absolutely devastated. I was gutted because obviously the biggest game of the season led, led up to that. Didn't think I deserved not to be starting. And um, and I was on the bench and I was just absolutely gutted. It just just meant nothing to me in the end. And that's actually, I, I finished then and that was the last game I was ever part of. And um, yeah, I, just about a, a month later, I got pregnant with my son and uh, my daughter, sorry. And then uh, that was it. So yeah, not good memories that actually. So I don't even oh. know. I don't even know what I did with the medal. I don't know. It just meant nothing to me. Uh, yeah. Sad times. <laughs> and, and the second one is, um, obviously, you've just been on about how the WSL has progressed. Do you ever wish you were like, you wanted born in a different era so you could like earn all yeah. this money that these, like, because it's like, it, like not being fun, like you said, you you got paid nothing. And then obviously, what, say eight years later, you've got players on 60 grand. That's crazy. So, it, 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 yeah, yeah, I think it, it would have. I, I don't know. In part of me thinks, God, because like I said, like we played top league for ten years, so I'd have been raking it in. <laughs> you just think it's such a shame that we didn't get that and the the support that they've got. And like people say to me, oh, but would you have been good enough in the in the game now? And I just think, you know, like you can only match yourself and judge yourself against the other people that are playing at the time you're playing, can't you? And if you are at the top of the game. 10 years ago you'd be at the top of the game no wouldn't you like against yeah. you only match yourself against the other people in the same situations as you um and so you think oh it is gutting because it could have there could have been a lot of highs but then I also think if I if that would have been a chance I would have I would have gone for it I would have like committed to um, making money that way which would have meant that then I think well actually I'm doing all right now I wouldn't have been like I'm uh, head of PE I wouldn't have done that and what position would I be in Indian? Like when my, when your playing career finishes as a women's footballer, I mean, as a men's footballer, it's not great, is it? When you finish at like 28, and you, what what are you going to do after? Unless you can get some commentating or or the little punditry or going to coaching, there's not that many roles earning big money. So I think I'm glad that I, it probably wasn't because 
I'd have probably been in a bit of a dire straits when it finished. Like, what would I have to fall back on kind of thing? Whereas I'm actually, it's worked out fine. It meant that I focused on my career a bit, maybe, and, and I have a career that I can carry on with. Whereas I might not have had that if I'd have carried on, if I'd have been playing now and earning money from football. I wouldn't have gone to uni because I'd have just been playing football. And um, and then who knows? So, so you know, part of me is a little bit jealous, a little bit gutted because it, it does. It's a nice lifestyle. It's what we all wanted. And like when I was little, if you or at school, which is probably a bit like you, if you just said, "What do you want to be?" and I'd have said, "I want to be a footballer." <laughs> God, what? <laughs> You're a girl. That was so stupid. You know, you wouldn't. You just wouldn't tell. It was just embarrassing. You wouldn't tell anybody. Like when I was fourteen and playing for Wolves, I didn't really tell anyone because it was just. They're just like, oh, well, yeah, well, whatever. Like, it was nothing, was it? So I think it's brilliant for girls now that they can say, I want to be a footballer and I want to do it. I think it's amazing and, and not be embarrassed about it. It used to be a little bit like, oh, I'm a bit embarrassed that I play women's football. You know, it's something to be really proud of now. I think that's that's brilliant. Martha asks the question, uh, is there anything in the women's game now that you wished was available when you played? We, we touched on a few things, but is there anything else you come to, comes yeah. to mind, Sally? I think the the degree of support they've got now in terms of like the fitness work that they can do, the time, the physiotherapy and all of that, I think is is brilliant, isn't it? And just the time as well that they they can do it as a job, can't you? Um, I think so. That was probably one thing. Um, and yeah, I suppose there are lots of little perks and things that they that players get now that we never had maybe so much of. And the social media and the fan base and some of that is probably really nice to have, isn't it? That we didn't possibly have back then. So yeah, probably all. Yeah, just the support in terms of all of that, you know, fitness and recovery. I think there's a lot more um, focus on that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Chris asks in the chat, um, do you miss playing and do you have anything else to keep fit now that you've um, retired from football? Obviously, you're a PE teacher, so you have to keep in a good shape, of course. <laughs> I try to. It's not that easy, though, is it, when you get older? Um, I sometimes still play now and then. So um, there's a couple of girls who we used to play with at Wolves, so Claire, um, Hakeman and Anne Johnson and a couple of others who we've played with before. And um, we enter like, a bit of a summer league. There's a Shropshire Summer League and we are playing that a little bit and we... We, we won that last couple of years ago. And so that I quite enjoy that. And there's a couple of colleagues at work and they have a Monday night football at a 3G, like just a big group of lads. So some, I've been and played that in the past and I have a staff game and stuff. So I still enjoy playing now and then, but I really feel it after. So, um, but yeah, I do have to keep relatively fit for school, really. Otherwise, I think you don't look the best role model, do you? But um, so I just do a bit of running. I've got a dog, so we go for a run together. And that's that's pretty much all I do these days, really. Keep myself fit. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, some other people have said, because there's a walking football, isn't there, that you can do. And I did get a text from a friend who's been doing the walking football, seeing if I wanted to do that. But I thought, I'm not ready for that yet. <laughs> <laughs> Sally, before we let you go, um, obviously Wolves, um, Wolves women have been in the in the news today, obviously because the, their um, season's been null and voided again for the second year in a row. Is there any any thoughts on this? It's obviously a tough time to try and get fixtures in with everything that's going on, but there, there must be a better way to for a team that's been running away with the league to obviously they they might have a possibility of getting promoted anyway. What what, what do you make of the situation? Oh, yeah, I think it's devastating for them, isn't it? Two years on the trot to have been so close and. Um, I've just seen a few tweets and stuff about how people are feeling about it. And they're just saying, you know, it's not doing anything for the game because clubs who should be 
moving up in the leagues aren't and that's just make their league stupid because they're just going to thrash everybody for another year it demoralizes everybody else in that league because they know what's going to happen it's it's almost like you're reducing the league by a, play, a, a club really aren't you because everyone knows they're just writing off that game so it's just it, it just halts progress for everyone doesn't it which i think is a is a real shame at all levels um and it must be horrible for the players to, you know, like it's a massive thing to win a league and to move up and to have that like momentum going to just have it completely. Oh, by the way, yeah, we're not doing it, and we'll think about it and see if we might, might promote you. I just think it's just it's just really embarrassing. I don't, I, yeah, I'm not sure why that decision has been made. I'm sure, you know, there's ways around it. There could have surely there could have been a better way to have sorted it out than to just say that it's just it's all null and void. So, yeah, I've, I really feel for them. It must be really tough for some of the players, especially at Wolves. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and on that, on that happier note, I, I, I should I shouldn't have left that one to the end, really. But we um, would like to thank you very much, Sally, for joining us. I hope you enjoy the rest of the football when you get the chance to go watch it now. And uh, <laughs> um, thank you for being on the show. And we're grateful that you came on. Thank you. Thanks very much for having me. And uh, thank you for running your chat, because I think, you know, we need people like this and, for fans to be able to listen to and to grow the game and it's all comes down to people like I said all the volunteers that used to do stuff at Wall at Wolves and Blues in the backstage areas all that kind of stuff it's all about you and you grow the game and you make it what it is and um, so I think it's really important for you to do this so thank you very much for what you do and for having me on. Okay, um, we will move on with the rest of the show. That was, I, I really enjoyed that chat. It was Sally, someone who mo most, well, I wouldn't say most fans, but a lot of fans now won't have known players from the w, the pre-WSL era. And it, I think it was interesting to hear her thoughts. What did you think, Stacey? Uh, yeah, it was it was good to hear. I mean, I, back when Sally was there, I only kind of, I was living away. So it was like I was an in and out sort of fan and I vaguely remember seeing her play and stuff. But it was nice listening to her perspective of how things were compared to nowadays and um, how far the game has actually grew, even though we sit here week on week saying that we still feel there's more to be done uh, to grow the women's game. But it, it, it's, it's a nice reminder of how far we have actually come. So, yeah, it was uh, lovely to have her on the show and she seemed like a very lovely woman. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It was, it was a pleasure to have her on. Um, and now um, a subject that probably isn't going to be as um, joyful, I suppose. Uh, before we go on to our recap of the Everton game, we should address the FA once again. I think we're all used to their antics by now, but they really have the subtlety of a sledgehammer when it comes to delivering bad news. For those who haven't heard the story, the FA contacted Hannah Hampton, our first choice goalkeeper, shortly before the Everton game to let them know they will not be selected for the Olympic squad. Manager Carl Ward said the timing of the news was unacceptable and said the player was in floods of tears during the warm-up and they even considered replacing her with backup keeper Sophie Whitehouse before kickoff. There was speculation in the phone, there was a phone call by the media, but Emma Saunders of the BBC Sports reported it was actually an email sent to Hannah. Ultimately, though, it's down to the Team GB manager to decide who gets involved in the Olympic squad, but the timing is just plain wrong in my view. As Carla said, they, this shouldn't have happened and it wouldn't have happened before Man City or Chelsea's Champions League ties. But once again, Birmingham City is at best forgotten about and it's just not acceptable. The FA has apologised and has indicated they will personally apologise to Hannah, but the damage has already been done, Kaz. Yeah, um, so 
Carla, I think Carla was correct in the they wouldn't have meant like rung or sent an email out to any Chelsea players or any Man City players before a big game in the Champions League. So if they're given them teams the respect of that, then they should have given us the respect because we're in a dogfight and basically we need our players all fully focused on performing to their best. We're in this bit of a dogfight. So I personally think they should have waited till the end of the season because I'm not being funny. It's only they were only telling people who were in contention. So why couldn't that have just waited till the end of the season or because nobody needs to know halfway through a season that they're not going to the Olympics. But I'd be a bit peed off if it's a couple of goalkeepers that haven't played for their clubs this season um that are in contention because for me, Hannah is probably up there with Ellie Roebuck as being one of England's best goalkeepers. So unless they're taking somebody from Northern Ireland, Scotland or Wales um, for the Olympics, I definitely believe that Hannah should have been in contention. I believe with the Olympic squad, it's obviously smaller. I think they get 18 players, I think it is. They might be only taking two keepers, so it could be Roebuck. We were assuming Roebuck's going to go and then... Maybe Sandy MacGyver was the other one. I'm not sure. I'm not. I don't know that for sure, but that could be in the possibility. But as you say, Hannah had a, had a good, had a decent chance, and she she was definitely in contention up until this point. Anyway, Stacey, do you have anything to add on the subject? I feel like every week I'm literally just moaning about the FI, but it, again, they've they've cocked up. Um, an apology is an apology. What's that going to do? That's not going to. Because let's be fair. Let's put it out there. Hannah had an abysmal game. Very clearly, something was wrong. As a fan watching, you knew something was wrong with her. She she seemed off. And then, obviously, to find out after the game why, you could argue that Hannah's mistakes and her frame of mind perhaps lost us the game. You, you don't know. You don't know what kind of game you would have had if Hannah had been on a gap done. It's one of them. The F5 man mistake. They'll apologise, but it seems like all they do apologise these days. So, yeah. It does feel like we're in some sort of real-life horror film this season. Just when you think you're safe, something bad creeps upon us. When will it end? And then let's get it, on. Let's get it over with then. Another 4-0 defeat, our third in a row. And it was this time to Willie Kirk's Everton side. It started actually off quite well, I thought. In fact, we had them under the cosh early on, pressing high up the pitch and forcing the mistakes high up the pitch. A big moment came, though, when Christy Murray's ball was played over the top for Claudia Walker, a free ball, where Sandy McIver comes flying out, charges out and takes out Walker with the ball flying just wide. The challenge just outside the area meant both players required treatment and the keeper eventually went off, but it wasn't a sending off. She was substituted after she received just a yellow card. What did you make of the incident, Stacey? It was red. <laughs> it was a red. Um, it's come flying out. She's took her out. She's clattered her. I feel like the ref went, oh, she's hurt a red, so I will only give her a yellow. The standards of officials in this league, I say it every week, it literally is every week, but the standard of refereeing is shocking. And again, it's all down to the FA. Like, let, let, let's, let's be honest. They're not professional referees. They're not full-time professional referees in the WSR. The FA hark on and hark on about us being 
a big league. We're on par with the men. When the men was carrying on, the women's was being talked about in the same breath. They're saying that they're growing the game and they're doing this and they're doing that. Then please invest in a better standard of refereeing. The game is not going to grow any further until the officials are adequate. Because at the moment, I wouldn't even say half of them are adequate. I'd be like, imagine some of them getting punched and knocked out if they was refereeing a Sunday league match with like 10 blokes who are all hung over and he's like someone's come out and clattered someone else and he doesn't get a red. It, it, do you know what I mean? Like, it just, it, it baffles me. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not going to rant anymore about referees and the FA. I think from a former referee's perspective, I f- could see, I know it's I know it's not going to be the best. I, I would lean towards a red card as well, but I can see why she hasn't given it. There was a slight possibility that Hayley Rasso, who's running to the left-hand side of Claudia Walker, might have co- co- got round on the cover. But it, it is a, such a big decision to make for the referee. And unfortunately for us, it went Everton's way. A lot of decisions did, especially in the first half, I thought, go towards Everton. But as I often say, you can't rely on referees to win matches and you need to score, which Everton promptly did. The opening goal, Jill Scott, with the sweeping finish into the bottom corner, was, in my opinion, as a result of poor defending from the whole side. Scott was allowed to run from the Everton half, unchallenged, stroll into the box and fire into the bottom corner. She's a veteran of the game now, Kaz, and you simply can't give her such a free ride, and then it was all uphill from there. Jill is probably one of my all-time favourite players in the WSL. Um, so. Even though she's getting on a bit now, like what she seems to have been around forever. So she's went there for game time and obviously she's getting it to prove to people that she's she can still play in this league. Um, and she's doing an all right job since signing for Everton. Um, but to give Jill Scott from any team that amount of space that we actually give her, she, she's going to punish you whether she's it was 10 years ago or if it's going to be two, two years in the future, she'll still punish you because she's that good. But what the hell was that celebration about? Uh, I'm assuming, I'm assuming Jill got a phone call to say she was in contention because that's what it felt like. It, I've seen the goal because it's the only thing I have seen about the, our game. It was like she scored a goal and she was rubbing it in like certain players' faces. Yeah. I think I, I think I just joked that she doesn't doesn't really get many goals anymore, so she just has to enjoy everyone that she can now. But she obviously she, she did well. She got she got the finish. Good finish it was. But um, then Claudia Walker produced a superb ball round the corner for Jamie Lee Napier, who drove her effort wide just in uh, late in the first half. It's probably our best chance of the game, I thought. Everton then extended their lead in injury time with that, that delay, obviously, for the injury to Sandy McIver earlier on. It was a header from Alicia Lehman, who apparently is on TikTok because I give a crap about that as a viewer, apparently. <laughs> but it, but it, but it, but it's a, it was a nice header from her, nonetheless. She shrugs off. I believe it was Harriet Scott to find the net after a cross from the right by Claire Emsley. It was another late goal, Stacey, a late late first half goal that's becoming far too common for my liking. I don't know about you. It does seem that recently that we are giving out away goals later in the halves, both first half and second half. And I think I said this last week, like. We've got a small squad. The girls are literally giving everything. And it is now, it's starting to become apparent that the small squad and the injuries that we've had are starting to affect us. We looked knackered for certain periods of that game. And 
it's no disrespect to the girls because you can see that they're giving the all, and they they will be capable of certain things if they had more support. And it will always go back to the money needs to be invested in the club. We need not. I'm not even asking for a 25 person squad. I just want a squad where we can have an 11, seven on the bench, and maybe a couple of floaters around, like in case people get injured. I'm not asking for the world. I'd like a squad, a fit squad. All the uncertainty, I feel, is starting to show in the performances now. There's uncertainty about where we're playing. There's uncertainty, I'm assuming, around contracts, because, again, every year it seems there's uncertainty around the contracts, and especially with what's going on at the men's at the moment. I mean, everyone knows what a show that is at the moment, Lord, do you know what I mean? So... There's got a bit of a lot of unrest. And then you've gone a couple of games where we haven't had the rub of the green. We've lost 4-0. Score lines probably haven't necessarily reflected the game. Did the 4-0 reflect this game? Yeah, we was, like you said, defence defending all over the pitch wasn't good enough. I thought we pressed really well for the first 25, half, half an hour of the first half. I, I, I was ripped. And then it was, it seemed that, the decision for, of the ref to not send off Sander flipped the game. And it seemed that Everton then started pressing higher and matched us with the press. And as a fan, I'm worried. But then at the same time, I can see why they might be trailing off towards the end of halves with the circumstances in and around the club this season. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot going on. And obviously, I don't think there's any surprise that the results that we've been getting, the 4 nils, have happened since we've had to leave and go to St George's Park. I don't think that's a, that's um, a factor that can't be taken into account in, in what's happening. And hopefully, sooner or rather later, we can find somewhere that's better suited. We did obviously play on a, I think it was a slightly smaller pitch this week, but it was, it, it seemed better, better fitted to the way we wanted to play anyway, at least early on. But going into the second half, I'd hope to see more of us. But similarly to how we started the the game, we were pressing high and forcing the error mistakes. But but it didn't turn out that way really. Claire Emsley made it free shortly after half time. A heavy touch from Hampton gifted Emsley the chance, and she chipped the keeper from distance to score. The fourth and final goal was a series of errors that led to a super finish. I thought from Simone McGill. Hampton throws the ball out. It clips the heels of Rebecca Holloway. It's then reflected into the path of McGill, who drives her effort from distance into the net with Hannah out of position. It's one of those situations that happen when it's all going against you, Kaz, and we were punished by McGill's long-range effort. Yeah, um, I've, obviously I've seen the highlight of this. Um, I thought the throw to Bex probably was a slight misfortunate of a throw. Um, but you can't stop the quality of McGill, really, can you? You've seen her do it for Northern Ireland. You've seen her do it for... Everton year in, do you know what I mean? So it's just little little mistakes, isn't it, really, that are costing us at the minute. Yeah, next up is West Ham United on Wednesday. For our audio listeners, this show is likely to come out on Wednesday, so you we won't go too in-depth here. But, Stacey, this game is huge now, with Bristol City picking up that excellent win against Reading last Monday. Both bottom of the table, West Ham will have that caged animal mentality now. It's time to step up for all our players, or we could be in a very bad way ahead of the Bristol City game at the end of the month? Oh, yeah, definitely. This game's massive. Like, for me, this is 
we need we need to win. Again, a few weeks back, we was looking at the table, going, "Oh no, we'll probably be all right." And then, as you said, other teams have had certain results and that haven't necessarily gone the way that we probably predicted they might have done. Um, it's going to be a hard game, as you said. West Ham are under they know they know the bottom. They know they're in that dogfight. Just looking at the Everton game, I think we had what two two attempts and both of them we should have buried. Like it's, so, you can see that the confidence isn't there, and it's it's just it's really it's really difficult. It's got, it's a massive game. Um, I probably won't be watching a lot of it because I'll be backwards and forwards because it's also a massive game for the men at the same time, which again wouldn't happen if it was Man City or anyone like that. But yeah, if the girls go out there, if they believe in their ability, we'll be fine. That's the end of it, really, because the quality we've got, I'd say, on, even on paper, we're a better, better team. We've got better quality. We just need to make sure we try and keep our concentration for 45 minutes and take our chances and opportunities when we get them. Kaz, what about you? What would you do, Kaz? How would you set the team up later this week? I don't know whether I'd, ch- I'd put Soph and go. Just to give Hannah a break, because obviously with what's happened over this last couple of days, you don't know where she- her head's at. So I'm not saying completely drop Hannah. I'm not, before any fan jump on the bandwagon here or anything, I'm not saying Hannah's a rubbish goalkeeper. I'm just saying the girl needs a break. I'd probably set up with, personally, what I would like is probably what, Carla's probably listens to this and goes, what the hell is she talking about? So I'd probably go Soph and go. I would go as my fullbacks. I would go as Harriet and Bex. I would like to see Lawley and Ruby together. So, and then midfield, if fully fit, Christy needs to be in this squad for this dogfight because I think she's proven since coming back, the midfield has looked a bit better. Um, so I would probably put Sarah, Christy. Do you know what? I'm going to go four four two. So Sarah, Christy, Lucy Whip, and Jamie Lee Napier with Murphy and Claudia up front. And then if that doesn't work, you can revert into a three with putting Jamie as the front three. Then that'd be my team. Yeah, I think I think we pressed well, as Stacey alluded to, against Everton early on. And if we em- we can emulate that again against the Hammers and have Christy further up the pitch, I think we could do some damage. I would have Lucy Whip in that holding role. That would allow then Christy to get further forward and work those killer passes in an area that can really affect the game. Obviously, recently, we haven't really had any shots, shots let alone shots on target. So we're not going to score goals. And if we can get Christy further up the pitch, I think we can create more chances in that sort of area. Obviously, Claudia can hold the ball up great. We know that. But if you don't have that creative player just behind her, you fail to make the most of her strength. We've had just two shots on target in the last three matches that says to me we're not getting in the right positions enough. What do you think, Stacey? Again, as you just touched upon, the the opponents we've played in the last few games are not opponents that you're going to set up to match them. You're going to set up to be solid and hopefully try and catch them on the break. West Ham, I'd agree with Kaz, I'd be looking at playing a 4-4-2. Sarah out on the wing is the, the ball she can put in. Jamie's uh, showed that she can whip, whip a decent ball in the box. 
as you said, Claudia can hold the ball up, but she's also got pace and she's also can get in and behind. And then you've got Emily's, she's rapid, like you've, you've seen it. And I'd like to see them to develop a partnership, which could potentially be fruitful for us. I mean, it's, it's one of them. I mean, I mean, Fred just said something about little John, little John and, and I completely and, forgot about her. Yeah, and I feel with like little John, while Christie's been out, it could have perhaps score lines and results been a lot worse. So it's it's nice at the moment to be able to sit here and have a discussion about who should be in a team rather than going, Oh, have we got enough to feel? <laughs> have we got team? a team? Yeah. <laughs> so um yeah, I'm I'm not too bothered about who starts where but I would love to see Claudia and Emily up top together just to see if they could possibly create something where hopefully I mean I think it was Marcus Big not being as we've spoke about him earlier I think his philosophy was the more chances create the more opportunity for goal if you create two he was always if you create two chances you should take at least one of them we're not creating enough chances. We've not took the opportunities we've had, but against, as we've said, against the opposition that we were playing the last few games, we didn't expect much. So, oh, oh, yeah, it's just going to be, girls need to go out there, believe in themselves, believe in what they can do, what we all know they can do, and go out there and smash it, smash, smash them and just press on for the rest of the season now. Yeah, absolutely. I think now that West Ham haven't exactly hit the ground running under new manager Oli Harder, but they have tightened up their defence in recent games, losing just 2-0 to Chelsea and 1-0 to Brighton. It won't be an easy game, as you mentioned, but it's the type of game we need to perform in. Trust in your ability. Don't give them a moment peace on the ball. Keep your discipline and we'll come out on the right side of this one. Now, before we go at the end of this extended episode this week, I thought we'd take a few moments to celebrate what we've achieved really as a show. It's obviously episode 100. We haven't made much of a deal of it up until this point today, but make, reaching 100 episodes for any podcast is is quite an achievement. And when I began the show back in September 2017, that feels so long ago now, originally as great since 68. And for the first couple of episodes, I did it on my lonesome, just myself and a microphone. It wasn't until episode three that I brought in Chris Pugh on board and the show really got started there. Kaz joined the show from episode 31 onwards, adding a much-needed female perspective to the show. And then finally, Stacey joined the show earlier this season, making her debut on episode 83. This is the fourth season that we've done the show now, and despite the ups and downs of supporting Birmingham City women, especially in recent years, I still love getting to talk together, uh, getting together to talk to you all about the team we love. Kaz, you joined the show during season two. Was it a nervous experience joining the show, looking back, or did you take it in your stride? Oh, I still get nervous now. Do you know what I mean? It's um, it's a big deal, isn't it? Like people are, like listening to you, your like what you think. Um, so it's a big deal. But all I can remember is um, I can remember you having Katie on the show, who was a Sunderland fan, and I, I was like, I can't believe they've had a Sunderland fan on this podcast before me. So I think I kept. I kept messaging going, when you're getting me on the show. And look, I'm still here. So I, I, I think like, you give off the impression you're a very loose cannon, but you, you can be very professional when you need to be, I think. That's that that's that, that's yeah, what we've learned over like, the course of the last few years. When when I'm at the football, I I'll I will, I'll I'll stand there and chant and 
you know, give the players some stick if they need the stick and the opposition the stick, manager a bit of stick. Well, at the end of the day, I love the Blues. I'll support the Blues and I'll come on here and basically tell her how, how I see it. So, but on a, on a very good note, that is not like, not like as I, I'd be drunk on the touchline. But I think actually some of me interviews with the managers and players, I might have been drunk. You didn't show it. That's the main thing. <laughs> uh, Kaz, what do you think of your favourite memory of the show so far? Stacey, you've obviously been the newest member to the podcast team. Did you have any reservations about joining the show? Um, A little bit at first. Obviously, Kaz has been doing it for a while. And um, I've, in the past, obviously, most people know I'm, with my disability, I, I'm, I have to stick to Kaz's side like glue. So there's been a few times when I've been on away games with Kaz and I've gone with her and I've helped her like think of questions to ask and stuff like that and and then like we'd argue <laughs> about what she'd said on the podcast and I'm like no that's not right you shouldn't have said that and then obviously I think Craig was like oh why don't we add another member to the group and then it was like oh yeah why don't I just go on and argue with her in public as well as like, down at the malls when we've had a bit <laughs> Yeah, well, it's been a, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show. Obviously, we've um, it's been it's been uh, ever changing the show as it is. And um, either as a listener or a co-host, Stacey, obviously, um, what is your favourite memory of the show so far? In from what you can remember, if if you can remember anything, that is, it's been a, it's been a while. Yeah, it has been a while. It's, it's one of them as well. I think twenty twenty has kind of zapped everyone's memory. I've completely lost the year. I'm saying something was a few weeks ago, and it's not. It's like six months ago. But um, obviously, for me, one of the best ones we've had is when we had the girls on. I mean, it was um, it was nice to be able to even have that conversation with them with the fact that we haven't seen them in person and been able to chat to them like we normally would at games. So it was um, it was great to have um, a few of them on, and obviously, can't forget about Carla coming on as well and having a chat with us and. Uh, I really appreciate that again. Like we haven't even had a chance to meet her as our manager. I'd say them two stick out for me the most. Yeah, absolutely. I think that was the Bex, Emma, and Abby yeah. interview. I think it was back, back, back in the earlier, earlier last end of last year. I can't remember. As I said, it was. It's, it's, it, it's happened in the last year. I know that. It was, that's, it that's was all after like, the Aston Villa game. It's that, been, yes, it was. There it's you go. been since I've been on the show. So there you go. What about you, Kaz? You've had a few moments to think about it. What's your favourite memory oh, of being on the oh. show? I know I gave Lucy Staniforth a hell of a lot of stick, but I was glad to get the first interview with her as a Blues player um, in Glasgow when we played up in Glasgow on a pre-season friendly. Um, what a weekend that was. <laughs> Messy. Yeah. And I'm blaming Fev. Hostel. Yeah. Never again. Hostel part three, you survived it. Right. So we oh, stay in the worst, roughest area in Glasgow, right? That takes some doing, doesn't it? Oh, right. No, no, yeah. no, seriously, this was like, we had Jess with us, obviously Chris. We were all in one room together. And I think Chris must have went out about 20 times to check, check on his car. Because obviously we know he's got a nice car. And, oh, it, oh. Was, it was just... It was unreal, like, the whole weekend. Brighton for my life, every time I went outside for a cigarette, it was it was the most bizarre experience I've ever had in my life in that in that hostel. 
Well, if we if we if we had Abby back on the show, she'd probably say that's the nice area. <laughs> but uh... oh, no, no, Abby did obviously. Abby was playing for Glasgow at the time. Yeah, and uh, we actually told her like, "Oh, we actually seen you play when she signed for us." And she was like, "Oh, where did you stay?" And we was like, "Here," and she went, "Ee, I ain't gonna even try and do a Scottish accent. I'm not, I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna go there." But it, I think it was something along the lines of, "You must have been mad." <laughs> Mad. Yeah. Wow. Well, you survived I'm it. That's the I'm surprised Bev hasn't popped up with like saying something yet. Do you know what I mean? Uh, well, he, he's, he's laughing about it. <laughs> <laughs> so Chris, Chris yeah. remembers it well. <laughs> they, are, they are both great, uh, great moments <laughs> that you've, you've enjoyed so far. It would be amiss of me not to mention another man, another familiar face on the podcast, Chris, who obviously isn't here tonight, but uh, he recently decided to take a step back from the show, which he's always welcome back on the show if he decides to come back, that he knows that himself. But uh, without him, the show wouldn't have made it to 100 episodes. I can guarantee you that with just me on a microphone. So I'm just uh, grateful for everything he's done um, for the show so far. And if he comes back, that'd be wonderful. But we're, we'll continue the show on in his... Um, he's not dead. In his memory, I was about to say, but... <laughs> But yeah, Chris <laughs> is alive and well, and um, we ju- we, ju- we just we, we, I just appreciate everything he's done for the show up until this point. And um, look at looking back at the few memories I have. Obviously, I've had a real ball doing the show. As I say, the moment that Chris took a penalty against Anne Catherine Berger lives long in the memory. That was a l- oh. lovely moment oh, where he gave, gave you the big one, and um... oh, he gave you the big one all game. All game, all you heard was Chris Pugh. Go on about him. I'll score this. I will. What do you watch? And I'm going to score past you. <laughs> then, he, then, he, then he smashes the bar and then blames Aoife for, for, mis- for, for, for his technique. <laughs> and then Anne, of course, puts the ball in the back of the net herself just for ad- adding a bit more salt in the wound. And uh, it was a, that was a great day. And um, also, we had um, the likes I got to speak to Chelsea Weston, Becky Spencer and Joe Potter for our FA Cup special that we did. I've also been extremely lucky to speak to Mark Skinner, Marta Tejador after games. And our, obviously, Carla Ward has been on the show herself. So obviously, we haven't been get, got to any games myself this year to speak to Carla after games. But she's always been accommodating, though, if I need to speak to her. Chatting with the players, too, as you mentioned, too many to name. But our extended interview that I did with Bex Holloway. Over the summer last year was one a standout one for me. That was really interesting. I'd been trying to get her on the show for a long time, but she was a bit shy about it. But we got her on the end, and it, I, thought, I thought it was a really good interview. As um, Chris Frere, friend of the show, says, uh, the David Parker interview was also a really um, good one, I thought. Talking about some of the glory years, obviously, the fact that I think it was Joe Potter almost lost her passport at the airport, so she might not be able to actually play when they got to... Russia, I think it was somewhere, somewhere like that. But it was there's a lot of really interesting things. When uh, how he scouted um, Ellie Brazil before she joined Blues, there's a lot of good in, uh, information in that David Parker interview. If you look back, and hopefully we get uh, many more great moments to come on the show. So 100 episodes. Uh, what would you like to see us, us do, Kaz, as the show continues to grow? What What would you like us to do look, going forward? Do you know what? It'd be nice to get like I was saying to Stace, maybe obviously because we've lost. Pew for now, but not every week. Maybe he's get a an away fan, like the opposite opposition fan on the show, and get their perspective of how they see our team. And not for the whole show though, just for a no, 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 no. Do you know like we've just had Sally on for yeah. like a clip? Um, maybe something like that, or even getting a, another Blues fan on for a show, or 
even just a women's football fan in general, for to get their perspective and everything. We cover the girls enough, or maybe get players on if the club will let us. Do you know what I mean? So I'd like to I'd like to have an interview with them with our golden girl number 18, Claudia Walker. If you're listening, Claudia or Carla, if I know you're listening, you, you let Claudia know that Kaz wants to speak to her and then we'll we'll see if we can get that organised in the future. What about you, Stacey? What would you like to see us do that we haven't accomplished or something that you want to see on the show that we don't do or anything like that? I think uh, once the world goes back to relative normality and we're actually able to go to the games and stuff again, I'd maybe like to see uh, or perhaps do a few things like we did what Pew did with Anne with the thing and maybe try and rack up some, maybe even if it's just for charity work with the club, see if we can maybe help out in certain areas with that sort of thing and see if get other people involved maybe rather than just us three whittling on and like Kaz said. So, yeah, I don't know. There's, there's, there's hundreds of possibilities. It's just how far us three can take it and how far the club are willing to help us get to what, we might want to be able to do in the future and stuff. So, yeah, if anyone's got any suggestions, let Craig know. Yeah, tw- you can tweet them to br- at Brum is Blue on Twitter. I don't want it sent to my account because I'll, I'll get too many then. <laughs> but, yes, um, any suggestions is always welcome. Um, and it's been it's been a great ride up until this point, 100 episodes, me, Kaz, Stacey, and obviously Chris when, when he was with us. Um, and uh, I think that's we'll end the show there. So thank you all for listening to this week's show. Thanks to Kaz and Stacey for joining me once again. You can follow the show on Twitter and Facebook at Brum is Blue. And as always, remember to keep right on.